Hey y'all, it's time to take a brew break. I'm Keela from Keela D Sub Creation, sharing my favorite stories 11 points at a time. You can look forward to English major insights, fangirl freakouts, and biblical tidbits as I dive deep into fiction and nonfiction stories in any form. Now grab a brew and join me for 11 Z's. All right, number eight is a big one. We're getting into the big ones. We only have four left. Do you know what they are? Yeah, you've I already can guess. mentioned a you couple. Me to guess. <laughs> yeah, guess what the last four are. Uh, last four are Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and Doctor Who, and Pop, buddy, beep, pop. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see. Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. So what's four? Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Number eight is Marvel. I was kind of against watching these movies i i sort of i was one of those people who prided myself on not getting into superhero movies because i thought they're all action and i need something with more substance and story and you were like keila listen to me <laughs> these movies are more than just action they're substance and their story yes that's that's usually how it goes whenever i try to get you to watch anything you're apprehensive <laughs> of watching like get over yourself they're good <laughs> stories stop being one of those people that's like i'm not gonna watch it because it's popular yeah. If it's popular, it's probably good. For a reason. Except yeah. for Tiger King. Yeah, we are we are we are those people who pride ourselves on never having seen Tiger King. Yeah, sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> we we know how to say no to peer pressure, y'all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except for we started watching Squid Game like three days after we found out it existed. Yeah. <laughs> so it really just depends. Um, so yeah, I think the first movie you made me watch was Guardians of the Galaxy, and that was a brilliant one to start with. That's mm. how you get that's how you get me. And that is still my number one favorite Marvel movie to date. Yeah, it might be mine as well. Yeah, and that's when I realized, oh, this is hilarious. These characters are awesome. It's not just action. Let's do it. So that's when you came up with a plan to get me ready for Infinity War. And we went through the series um, in release order, I think. Yes. And you were picking out the movies I needed to watch for the Infinity Stone saga. So we skipped some. Yes. But I think you had a list of like... 10 or 12 that we needed to watch before Infinity War? I think I narrowed down, like, I think I cut, like, a third of the movies out. Yeah. Um, I only made you watch movies that were either important to, like, building up the Avengers. Yeah, um, we watched everybody's origin story. Or, yeah, because in the first season, it's not, they don't, they're not focusing as much on, actually at all, on the Infinity Stones. Those yeah. don't come into play or even are referenced into, like, Phase 2. Um, but the cool thing about the first one, the first um, phase one is yeah it's everyone's origin story but it's how they start connecting these superhero movies in a, and they did that in a way that like no superhero movies like really ever did before um and like and they did it in unique ways too uh through like the post credit scenes like oh, yeah. no one had i mean maybe they had like a mid credit scene like other movies did but like the, like putting a, a scene at the very very end of the credits that reference like a whole other movie a major really plot cool. point sometimes, yeah. and now they're times, known for that. Exactly, it made like a major plot point and like hints at where the series is going to go in the future. Like it just built up your your suspense and um, like your expectations for the Marvel movies in such a way that like made you want to w watch the next one mm -hmm. um, and go to the theaters to see it because you had to watch it like right when it came out. Um, and I was part of the group of people, or a lot of people, most people, not most people, but a lot of people that were. Getting into those movies early on that started watching them when they came out and I watched Avengers in theaters the first time, which some people argue is the first Avengers is still the best um, the best Marvel movie, which I think it's still in my top five for sure. But anyway. It is um, not in your top five. 
We've listed our top Have five. Have we? Before. Is it not my top five? It's not. Maybe it's number six. Uh, I don't remember my top five. It changes every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when I made you watch those movies, I cut out ones that weren't important to like building the Avengers and that weren't really referencing the Infinity Stones because that's obviously what the first three phases or the the Infinity Saga is about. It's kind of building up the tension with Thanos and um, how he, you know, essentially gets the stones and what you know happens when that when that takes place but um i don't know what movies i cut out exactly but i think i might have cut out you cut like iron man 2 and 3 oh yeah you cut the hulk movie um there were some cases where i might have just shown you like an end credit scene for a movie if it was important yeah, but if, the, if the whole movie wasn't important like i don't think iron man 2 or iron man 3 like was important to the overall marvel story but they're still good stories for his character I still would encourage people to watch those movies as a whole, especially seeing, you know, his character arc and how that ends up. But, um, yeah, that's originally how I had you watch it. And I think that was right before Infinity War. We finished in time to watch Infinity War. So, yeah, we finished in time to watch the first uh, Infinity or the third Avengers, the first of the Infinity, the last two. Anyway, we watched that in theaters. um, And then the next movie, I think we rewatched them all again a year later. Probably. Um, but the, the next time I think I watched, we had you watch all of them. We did not watch every single Marvel movie until quarantine. Yeah. Here. Like, I did not see oh, Iron really? Man 2, 3, Hulk, Ant-Man. Right. I didn't even see Ant-Man yeah. until, like, the last year. Well, actually, it's, uh, it's kind of regretful because I, actually for a while there, I was one of those people that had, I was actually burnt out on Marvel. It can around, happen. Around the time we started dating and I was showing those movies, um, I was burnt out on going to see the next movie. Uh, you know, I wasn't like by the by the you know phase three movies. I wasn't super into going to the theaters for every single one. Um, and then, but I showed you like the really cool stuff, the really cool movies, and that kind of get you into like what was good about Marvel. But it was starting to get repetitive for me. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um, I've heard a lot of people that were that have been super into Marvel that don't watch everything they release now because they got burnt out on it. And I think that's a very real thing. And I think Marvel. And I think Marvel's starting to. Like realize that, and they're starting to like release different kinds of content, and maybe take it slower so that people don't get burned out so easily. Um, But it's also hard because people who haven't gotten into Marvel at all have so much now. It's intimidating. Like they've released what three TV shows this year and two movies, and we're not even done yet. Yeah, and that's a problem. Like ever, how do I say this? There are a lot of people that don't watch Marvel that might be interested in getting into it but they they see it as intimidating because there is so much that they feel like they have to watch to get into it and i would just say that like at this point it's such a big universe and there's so many things like i would just jump in and enjoy what they make for what it is um and then maybe over time you can watch some of the old stuff but don't feel like you have to watch all the old stuff to jump in and uh like watch the new stuff especially with like now what they're doing with phase four most of what they're make what they've made with phase four so far has been through tv shows um, and now they're starting to release movies again. Um, like you could just jump in with what they're making now. And I think you'd be fine. Like, yeah, you'd be missing some, like some past like references, but like, I feel like that, that can always be filled in later or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think you can just, I think you can still enjoy it for whatever. Yeah. Do. Don't, don't let <laughs> watching movies and TV become a stressful thing. It's supposed to be relaxing. It's supposed to be a form of escapism from this crazy reality we live in. And so like, don't, make it work for yourself like if you're like i might be interested in marvel i'm gonna pick a movie um oh captain america i heard that's good i'm gonna watch a captain america movie 
I think you can still enjoy the Captain America movie for what it is without all the context, you know? Yeah. And then if you are interested in actually going in order, then Google a list online and then be like, okay, I'm starting with Iron Man, here we go. And even if you only watch a movie a week or not even that, just slowly pick away at it until you become a super fan like us. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a pretty good plan. Yeah. Um, I was going to say one more thing. Um Regarding, like, when I was burnt out, I actually didn't see the second Ant-Man in theaters. Um, oh, yeah. I like Ant-Man as a character, but I just wasn't super into the Marvel in general. So I didn't go see his movie, his second movie in theaters. His second movie came out after Infinity War and before Endgame. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went to see Endgame, and there's a part of the mm-hmm. story in Endgame where apparently there's an end credit scene in the second Ant-Man that is, like, a super important plot point yep. <laughs> to yep. end the game. And we were a little confused in Endgame because we didn't see that um, end credit scene. And after we saw, in, I mean, after we saw in game, we did a bit more research and looked at that scene, and then we realized, okay, it, make, it made sense. And they explain it, and they explain it in game enough for even if you didn't see Ant Man, you would get what's going on. But it's one of those things where, yeah, if you didn't see the end credit scene, you kind of miss a point in yeah. a later movie. Um, so in some ways, those end credits can kind of turn into like chores in a way. I don't know. Um, some people see them as chores, and now they don't like the way that those stories are. Some of those plot points are told through like, those last scenes because not everyone wants to sit through 10 minutes of credits to see it. But. I understand that. But, I mean, when the Marvel movie's over, everyone pulls their phone out and Googles how many in credit scenes are there, one or two. Like, do I need to really wait through all these credits? Um, which is fine. I, I think it's part of the Marvel experience. What did annoy me is when they started coming out with TV shows on Disney+, Plus, and the first three episodes don't have end credit scenes, and so they build it up like, oh, these... These are TV episodes. They're not going to have in credit scenes. It's fine. And then out of nowhere, the fourth one has an in credit scene that is pivotal to the whole story. Yeah. That's what annoys me. Like, be consistent. I agree. And it's weird for them to be inconsistent with, with a TV show. Yeah. I think doing that with a TV show, maybe put an in credit scene at the end of the whole show if you're going to, like, reference yeah. a future show. But, yeah. like, yeah, putting it in the middle of a, of a season is a little weird. Yeah, we had um, to go find it on YouTube. Yeah. Very odd. What's next? Anyway, nine is Star Wars. Yeah, nine. Star Wars isn't 11. I'm just kidding. I know what 11 is. You do? Yeah. Are you sure? No. (laughs) No, I'm not sure. Go. Okay, so here's the cute story about Star Wars. So on May the 4th, 2015, I decided I would get over myself and actually watch the Star Wars movies. I did this on my own, Okay. This was my own decision. My roommate had them on DVD, and I was like, all right, let's do this. You and I were just friends um, at the time. You watched them alone? I started them alone. I think at some point in the six movies, the guys came over and you were there for part of it. But I definitely started watching number four by myself. Not with a roommate? I don't think so. Hmm, I asked her if I could watch her movies, and she said, yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm doing this today if you want to join me. And... I'm sure at some point she was there, and I know for a fact you were there for part of it, so our friends probably came over at some point. But I decided on my own to do it. Mm. So, that was May the 4th, 2015. I watched 4, 5, 6, 1, 2, 3. Yes. Then, on May the 4th, 2016, do you know what happened that day? Um, mm, yeah, I asked you to be my girlfriend. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. How'd you do it? <clears throat> I went on a website and basically you could go on this website and create your own like uh, 
like beginning scroll. Every main Star Wars movie has like the scroll at the beginning, you know, where it gives you a little summary of what kind of what's happening. The context. Bef- yeah, context before you start watching the movie. Um, and all nine of the main movies have that. And so I did a thing where it let you type your own little scroll. Um, and I did that asking you to be my girlfriend. A uh, little cheesy, but... It was cute. It was cute. Yeah. <laughs> and I said yes, obviously. Do you still have that? Uh, it's somewhere. I saved a copy of it somewhere. It's somewhere. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. If it's not somewhere, then it's not. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. It could be gone forever. I don't know. <laughs> and then on May the 4th, 2017, or actually the day after it was May the 5th, uh, you asked me to marry you. Uh, a year later. Yeah. Yes, sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was not Star Wars related, but it was on that weekend, which was cute, because it had become our anniversary by that point. And then on May the 4th, 2018, is the day that we got our marriage license. Oh. And we were wearing yeah. Star Wars shirts, remember? Uh, no. I remember, because it was super cute, and I said, we have to get our marriage license today, because our entire love story has to be told on May the 4th. And we didn't. We weren't able to get married on May the fourth because it was not a Saturday. It was like a Thursday or something. Yeah. But it was within thirty days, so that's the day we got our marriage license. You had our wedding date planned before I asked you to marry me. A lot of people do that. I knew you were going <laughs> to propose. I didn't know when you were going to propose, and so I was like, I need to lock down the venue I want and the date I want. I can't just wait around for you forever. Yes, you can. You're right. I would. <laughs> I love you that much. We were planning our futures, okay? We were. We were planning. So anyway, Star Wars um, has now become a big part of our relationship. We have been to midnight premieres together. We have lightsabers, and we've dressed up as Star Wars characters several times. We do at least an annual rewatch. Mm-hmm. Last year during COVID, for the first time, we sat down and watched all of Clone Wars and Rebels. Of course, The Mandalorian was coming out. So now I think we've seen all of the main Star Wars content. And do some sort of rewatch every year, which is pretty great. Yeah, with Star Wars, it's uh, it's kind of like Marvel. There's just so much. There's a lot. <laughs> there's so much into it. Uh, I would say that Star Wars is even more easy, easier to get into than Marvel. Uh, at least each trilogy is like separate enough from the other trilogies that you can kind of start with those and like enjoy it as like a separate piece of the overall universe. Um, and Star Wars, a lot of the like, side stuff in Star Wars is telling like smaller stories. It's kind of zooming into a different place and time in the universe and kind of telling a story there and then it'll tell a story somewhere else. And so they're all kind of separate. And then, But in, in some ways there are like some connections and some characters that cross over between the movies and like some of the shows um, and whatnot. And they, they do they do have some connective, connective tissue, but it's not like you have to watch. They can be in- enjoyed individually. For yeah, sure. exactly. Um, you don't have to watch like episode one to enjoy the whole trilogy. Or the whole series, but episode one introduces like Obi Wan, you know, and Anakin, and and has one of the best lightsaber duels of all yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is true as well. <laughs> so yeah. we do have thoughts and feelings about the sequels, but I think you know they are what they are. Just, do you want to open that can? Of I don't particularly on but, this podcast. Um, but it, it's funny you say that because like the of all the fandoms that I'm like I guess I would consider myself a part of. Uh, the Star Wars fandom is the most divisive, um, and it, it's for just so many different reasons. There's there's so many people that are they feel so uh, connected to the Star Wars movies, and for so many people, like Star Wars, um, and they like I don't know. In some ways, like they released 
these movies at like key points in people's lives where like you grew up with it um yeah each of the trilogies came out for a different generation of kids yeah and so people are like emotionally attached to these movies because it's part of like their childhood or whatever um and so when like the next thing comes out they are judging it like to a certain standard maybe similar to what the you know whatever the movies were that came out when they were kids and if it doesn't meet that standard they like trash all over it and they can't pick out the good parts that are in there um except the sequel trilogy there's no good parts in the sequel trilogy (laughs) (laughs) whoa i distinctly remember you seeing the force awakens in theaters how many times six six times you paid to see that movie and yet you think there's nothing good in it okay it's it was good at the time but as a whole (laughs) as a whole trilogy it just did not do very well i'm not gonna get into it it's mainly episode eight everyone talks about episode eight there it just seems like and maybe it's because of like there's there's so many ways people are connected these days and so many ways people can like voice their opinions online yeah uh it just seemed like the hate for episode eight was so much louder than the original trilogy um a lot of people didn't like the original trilogy when it came out uh it just seems like the previous like generation just hates on the next thing like people that loved the original trilogy hated the prequels and then both of the like those generations hate the sequels. That's true. So there are people that like the sequels, but it's I don't know. Since Disney took over, they like when they first took over, I would say that they didn't do a good job at staying true to like George Lucas's like plans or like I don't know the way he creates Star Wars. They, it, like the sequels to me seem more like a corporate like cash grab than like true Star Wars movies. They have their moments, but as a whole. They, they don't feel as as much like Star Wars as the other movies do. But my opinion on the newer Disney things has changed over the last couple of years um, because of their shows that they've been making, like The Mandalorian, mm. which is really good. And I, I think it Mandalorian just knows, it, it knew how to strike a chord with like almost all Star Wars fans. And it, it told the story in a way that I think um just made it easy to watch and like um because it was telling a smaller story in the universe which i think you know i think it was a perfect idea because these bigger like grand like galaxy threat movies you know it was hard to think of new ideas and new stories in that um space to create i think that's one of the problems with the sequels is that it felt very cut and paste like they were telling the same story from the original trilogy not much like new was going on but mandalorian kind of zoomed in and decided to go more small scale and tell a smaller story about a guy who's a lone wanderer and who essentially like adopts a adopts baby yoda and like i don't know becomes like a father figure for him anyway it's just a unique story um and i it's kind of rekindled my love for star wars um, but they also decided to make a se- like a final season for the Clone Wars TV show, which came out. Uh, that show originally came out before Disney bought uh, Star Wars, and so George Lucas was kind of on on that show. But they- it never got an end because they kind of stopped making it when it originally came out. But Disney bought it, and then they decided to finish the show and make a final season, which is like the best decision they could ever make. Because um, that final season of that show is some of the best Star Wars you'll ever watch, mm-hmm. um, and even though it's a cartoon, it's one of my favorite like all like TV shows of all time. Um, and I highly recommend watching it if you're a Star Wars fan at all. Um, and I would just get past the cartoon part of it because for me, I, I was always against watching it because it felt 
like just because it was a cartoon it would be too kiddish but that's not true at all i hear that as like the number one reason for people that don't watch it is because they think it's going to be childish but it's really not i would i would say partially i mean the first two seasons maybe have are a bit more of those kind of kiddish episodes but it really matures like it hits a stride getting into like the third fourth season and like especially getting into like the last couple seasons and especially the last season like it just feels like star wars it's not like a kid version of star wars it's not like reading the hobbit and then reading lord of the rings like it's like star wars it's dealing with mature content and themes and you get attached to these characters and it tells a whole other story about these clones who if you just watch the movies you don't get like the emotion behind order 66 at you don't, all you don't yeah. get it and it like seeing that perspective of the prequels is just very refreshing and just very cool and and how they connect it to the movies and it makes it even i mean honestly it enhances the movies even more like yeah when i watch the third movie now that i've seen clone wars like it makes it even more emotional mm-hmm. than it already was and it was already one of my favorite movies before the, watching clone wars but like now watching how it connects to clone wars is just um like even better um yeah yeah rebels is also good but it, it, it is more childish than clone wars um still pretty good overall and then bad batch was okay i like the first couple episodes of bad batch um because they were directly like taking place like after order 66 but some of the episodes most of that show felt like filler to me um yeah well so, if they're planning well, on doing more seasons you can forgive it because the first season of any tv show they're yeah. just figuring out their stride figuring out their characters, and yeah. then really get into the story later. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I have, I have hopes that uh, Bad Batch will turn out good. I mean, maybe get better. Because um, I would agree, like, the first episode, of, or first season of like, Clone Wars, and then first season of Rebels, and first season of Bad Batch, they're all kind of, like, okay. But then all of those shows, at least Clone Wars and Rebels, get better as they go. For sure. Um, and I have, I have a feeling Bad Batch will probably be, probably be the same as the other two. Um but then just talking about like other Disney-made Star Wars, like it changes, but my what might be my favorite Star Wars movie was Rogue One, oh, which is essentially a prequel to so Episode good. 4. So and good. There are, there are some characters like from the prequels and some from the, like the original trilogy, but it's mostly about just new people they've never heard of or, you know, never seen before, and they... It just tells a unique story and like about how, you know, how the essentially how it connects to like the original trilogy and and how the rebellion kind of like is able to actually start winning against the empire. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say anything if you haven't watched it, but mm-hmm. as one of the best, like the last thirty minutes I'm of that movie, <laughs> last thirty minutes of Rogue One is some of the best cinema. Not even talking about Star Wars, just, just best cinema. Yeah you'll watch it ever. ever it's just so emotional so intense um so well shot like effects all of it they're just really really good like watching that movie in theaters the first time and seeing that scene you know what scene i'm talking about that scene seeing that scene in theaters was like jaw dropping and heart pounding and you it literally just took your breath away um i'm pretty sure that scene you have seen more times than you've seen any other Star Wars content ever because we've watched it on YouTube over and over and yeah, over. Yeah, right. I mean, sometimes I just feel like I get in the mood where I just want to watch that scene again. 
and it still gives me the same chills as Every if I watched time. it the first time. It's just so good. Yeah, that's good. And what's crazy to me is that that scene was almost not in the movie. Mm. That, the whole last 30 minutes of that movie, like our last hour of that movie was like reshot. Like they rewrote the last part of that movie. I don't know what the original movie was going to be, but I'm glad that they changed it to like what, what it is now because it is some of the best movie you'll ever watch ever. Sure. Um, Star Wars in general is just really good to watch. I mean, it, Star Wars has become such a huge just part of culture, I feel like, in in the States. You know, it's just, even if you don't watch it, you know, people talk about it, and it's just a huge, a huge thing. I think it's important. Yeah, even if you don't watch it, you don't like it, you know nothing about it, you own some sort of Baby Yoda merch. Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. Everybody owns Baby Yoda yeah. merch. But also how they're able to turn what is obviously like a merch like cash grab into like such a one of the best characters in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, he's actually awesome. He's yeah. not just he's like not a like minion. The Ewoks. <laughs> Sorry everybody, but yeah. Uh, Ewoks were literally a cash grab by George Lucas. But George Lucas as a whole is still pretty awesome. So you're on Even that though one. I would have preferred Wookiees in episode six instead of Ewoks, but anyway, that's just another that's another podcast. Yeah, episode. for real. I need to cut you off or we'll keep talking about Star Wars for another hour. Yeah, we're over an hour right now. Just okay, to... well, we still have two more to go. All right, let's do it. Number 10 is... Doctor Who. Doctor Who, <laughs> which you already mentioned earlier. Um, this was the first TV show you ever made me watch Ooh. when we first started dating. Or actually, I think it was before we started dating. We started showing each other our favorite TV shows. And so we would watch an hour of Doctor Who and an hour of The Office. Yep alternating and i think it was really good for our relationship because Mm -hmm. it uh taught us a little bit about the other person and what they enjoyed and like bits of their personality that they took from these shows but also it showed that we can compromise and we can sit through an hour of the other person's show even when we weren't enjoying it yeah (laughs) because i definitely had to keep you watching after office season one and you definitely had to keep me watching after some certain alien species that were super cringe yeah it's one of those things where both Maybe it's like that with a lot of shows. I don't know. Like the first season, you have to say, just get past the first season. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, the show's just finding out what it is and who's watching it. And mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it hits, like most shows, I guess, hit their stride towards the end of the first season or like their second season. Um, I think Doctor Who has its, its first season still has its really good moments, but yeah. it was the end of the first season where I think you finally realized like, wow, this is really good. Um, but especially... I feel like the end of the second well, let season, me tell you, even more so. Let were... me tell you, I thought, okay, the show has its moments. It's not too bad. I mean, I'm not super into it, but I like this guy. I'm going to keep watching to make him happy. And I thought I was just casually watching, whatever, not a big deal. And then by the season two finale, I had never cried that hard in my life at any sort of fiction <laughs> ever. Like, I remember loud (laughs) sobbing into a pillow and having to, like, run off to the bathroom because I was crying so hard. Mm -hmm. That had never happened to me. Ever. Yeah. And Doctor Who does that time and time again. That was hardly the last time I cried at Doctor Who. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Doctor Who is kind of special for me. It's one of the first shows that I, like, watched multiple seasons of that weren't, like, that wasn't like, a kid show. I don't know. I started watching it, like, late high school. Um, and in high school, I didn't even watch TV that much. Like, the first and only show I had ever watched all the way through was uh, How I Met Your Mother, which 
is a comedy, and I now say that I'm someone who doesn't even watch or like comedies That's as a true. whole. And I would actually say that that might be because of Doctor Who, because Doctor Who is one of those shows that I think balances comedy and funny moments with serious and adult moments and like kind of darker themes sometimes. Um, and I think Doctor Who balances like different genres and does them all really well. It's also able to tell these unique stories and uh, develop these characters in uh, ways that's just really cool because most of the people that are in the show um, aren't in it like very long. And those of you that don't know, Doctor Who is one of those shows that has been going on for like ever. Since the it's, 60s. It, it, it's a British like sci-fi show about a guy who can, he's basically a time lord. He's a different species. He can travel through time and space um, in a vehicle called the TARDIS. And the TARDIS on the outside looks like a phone box, but on the inside it's a spaceship. bigger. It's bigger on the inside. It's bigger on the inside. Um, that's the general premise. Uh, he travels around through time and space with human people that he kind of befriends, and they go around helping him like save people. Um, it's a, it originally came out in like, the 60s or 70s. It's an old show, and it, it had like 50 to 20 seasons like during the between like the 60s and 80s or 90s and then it wasn't around for like 15 years and then it basically got like a soft reboot in 2005 um and what's called new who basically anything since 2005 is considered new who and anything before that's considered classic who and new who is where i started watching i actually haven't seen classic who and some people would say i'm not a true doctor who fan we've seen a couple episodes though <laughs> and it has its moments it's still charming it's still charming um it's a it's british and as an american watching like a british show was a little weird at first um but you just kind of just get into it and you, i don't know just all the british culture pop culture references it just it's just really cool to see um but what they do with that show is that in order to change actors that play the doctor the doctor can essentially do this thing called regeneration which changes his face um but allows him to live on so like in cases where he would normally die he will uh instead regenerate his body will regenerate and he'll change his face and body slightly to heal himself but he'll be a new face and so that's a way for them to like change actors but keep the same character he's still the same character same memories he's been through the same things but he can live on. He's not necessarily immortal, but that's a way for them to like kind of switch out actors. But they were able to do that and have a story way to explain it that makes sense and is actually like really cool. And it kind of is a way for them to continue the show and keep making new episodes, uh, new seasons, because they can kind of freshen it up with new people. It's um, really cool, especially in nine through twelve. Like it's very clear to see this is the same character. Yeah, this is the Doctor, mm-hmm. but each of those four guys has their own quirks, their own personality, their own sense of style and humor. Mm-hmm. But at their core, they're the same person. Yeah. It is amazing to see. And all four of those actors just do a great job of maintaining the integrity of the doctor, but putting their own spin and own personality on it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, very unique, very good show. It's a uh, really good sci-fi. If you're into sci-fi anything time travel i'm all about um and the way it especially getting into like the 11th doctor's seasons the way it plays with time travel and like how things connect timeline wise if you're one of those people that likes piecing together timelines that are all tangled up um Mm -hmm. and don't make sense um it's a it's definitely a show that would be good for you because it's it's fun to connect and 
think about what happened first, even though we watched this episode, this happened before this, you know, one of those things. Yeah, I was remembering on this last rewatch, which by the way, I have now officially seen more Doctor Who than you have. Just want to put that out there. But not more times than I have. That's true. That's I've true. Seen, you, you've put in more hours. I've seen the, the ninth Doctor through the 12th Doctor, at least 11th Doctor, like at least four or five times. And the 12th Doctor I've seen maybe twice, like through all his seasons. But yeah, I have not seen the 13th Doctor, and that's not because I like didn't want to watch it, but I actually think the 12th Doctor's like last season started to like, kind of the quality started to go down for me, um, at least in how they were like telling the story. I feel like they were getting lazy with storytelling. Um, <clears throat> and I just don't think, I think the 12th Doctor was kind of like, he got the short straw on his story arc, because I don't... Especially after Clara left. Yeah. I, it's just, I, I just, I mean, this doesn't hit the same chords with me as like the 10th and 11th Doctor, especially. Um, and so I kind of got turned off to Doctor Who after watching that. And I guess I could, you could say I got burnt out on it. Well, we also didn't have a way to watch it at the time. Yeah. It had gone off of Netflix and we weren't going to pay for it on Amazon. That's true. So I, I actually haven't seen the last two seasons of Doctor Who. So I'm like 20 episodes behind or whatever. But I'm sure I'll watch them eventually. But I've actually seen a couple. You've yeah, worked, I just I've, watched them. I watched a couple of the episodes with They're you recently. They're not bad. But... It's, I I see what you're saying about the uh, decrease in in storytelling. It's just not as good as it was. Like, Eleven's arc was just so good. And then Clara, carry that over into the Twelfth Doctor, Clara's arc was also really good. But as soon as Clara left, Twelve's last season wasn't that great, and Eleven's seasons weren't that great. There's no big... Thirteen. Or, what did I say? You said Eleven. Oh, Twelve and Thirteen. When, yeah. we say, when we were saying, when we say these numbers, we're talking about the iteration of the Doctor, by the way. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, so it, when we say, like, Nine, Ten, Eleven, Twelve, we're talking about, like, the different iterations of the Doctor, the different ver- versions or bodies <laughs> or faces that the Doctor has had. Yeah. So, Thirteen is the thirteenth person that has played the Doctor, yeah. um, essentially. Anyway, but what I realized on this last rewatch is... At one point, when you and I were doing a mini rewatch, we've only seen the show from 9 to 12 all the way through once together, but we've done a couple different rewatches where we would watch, like, key episodes. On one of our rewatches, we watched River in chronological order. Oh, yeah. And that was really cool to see, because her timeline and the Doctor's timeline interweave with each other in insane ways. Yeah, they're essentially... she Her character is essentially a character that's moving Backwards. opposite... Yeah, basically moving backwards through the Doctor's timeline. So their two timelines are moving in opposite directions, if you can picture that. And so they, like, essentially, like, the first time he meets her is, like, the last time... She meets him. She meets him, and vice versa. It's really weird how they do the character, but, like, they meet each other at different points in their timeline Mm -hmm. in opposite, like, directions. And then, like, the last time... One of the last times he, like, kind of meets her is, like, early on in her timeline. Like, she doesn't even know who he is, anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... It's cool. It's cool. What's last? All right. Last but not least. Last but certainly not least is Lord of the Rings. I saved it for last because I think it is one of the more important in our lives. Uh, I was taking a Tolkien class in college the same semester you made me sit down and watch the 12-hour extended edition of the movies. Wait, I get this. She she decided to take a Tolkien (laughs) class before even watching... The movies, the original Lord of the Rings movies, like how? And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. As you know from this podcast, it shaped my entire writing philosophy and everything. And this fandom got me really interested in just the lore and the intelligence that goes behind writing a universe like this. Like Tolkien was so 
smart. Mm-hmm. And he weaves so many different layers into this story. It was just insane. And then Colton showing me the movies. I had seen one of the movies in high school. I was not a fan. I, I just sort of was watching it casually, not paying that much attention to it, and didn't understand what was going on. But I think your fervor and passion for the movies got me excited about watching them. And of course, you're throwing in your little fun facts and tidbits throughout the movie. Um, and now I can never watch it without thinking of them. Like, you don't even have to say anything. As soon as Viggo Mortensen kicks that helmet, we just look at each other. I almost wanted to jump in right here and tell everyone, hey, Ever? did y'all know that he actually broke his foot and he kicked the helmet? It's now a running joke in a or did you know that, of the Rings uh, crowd online. Did you know that, what, oh, I'm liking it on the actor that played Bormir all of a sudden. Sean Bean. Sean Bean. Do you know that Sean Bean was terrified of heights and he, like, would almost never fly in a helicopter when they were doing some of these on-site filming in New Zealand. He would walk <laughs> a lot of the distance if he could. Um, anyway, sorry. Like a true member of the Fellowship. I can just, yeah, he'll just... Walking. Exactly. Even though he strolling. obviously uh, didn't walk nearly as far as most of the other Fellowship, but... <clears throat> excuse you excuse you he's still one of my favorite (laughs) characters in the whole trilogy even though you know if you haven't seen his movies at this point get out get out (laughs) at this point like why can't i just talk about it and just not worry about yeah the books came out how many years ago i'm like scarred with the voice of jason in my head yelling spoilers that's my brother now like even if it came out 20 years ago yeah i just think i'm just like oh spoilers I'm going to probably put a spoiler warning on every episode of this podcast because I don't want to be hindered by what I can say. And if I'm talking about something that you haven't seen or read or experienced yet, just skip forward because I want to talk about all the things. Yeah, let us talk about all the things. Plus, if you know anything about Sean Bean, you know his character dies in every single thing that he's a part of. So get used to it. That is true. What are we talking about? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Um, It was just really special to me because... of. The period of time I was in my life, we were just dating, and I was in this class that was teaching me all of this history behind Tolkien's writings, and you just being so excited about the movies and showing me the extended editions just made it really special to me. And uh, whenever I went to Italy, I bought us authentic, uh, I bought the Even Star necklace Mm. that was Arwen's for myself, and the one ring to rule them all for you. And now we wear them at our annual rewatch, which is super cute. Yep. Um, your Groom's Cake. Groom's Cake was... Was a Lord of the Rings book? The, the book. Well, it was supposed to be the red book um, that he that he has at the end of... Well, I guess the end of the trilogy. But like it was Bilbo's book originally that he passed down to Frodo. And it's essentially the collection of like Bilbo and Frodo's telling of, of the ring in that time period. It doesn't actually say Lord of the Rings on the front, but our my wedding cake, we put that just so people knew what it was, and then it, we had a little ring on top of it. It was cool. Um, it was and that pretty, cake was freaking delicious. Yeah. It was more the, delicious than my wedding cake. One of the best cakes I've ever had. It was supposed to be German chocolate, and then I find out years later that it wasn't. How did you not realize it wasn't German chocolate that day? There was no coconut, no nuts. It was just chocolate I cake. I don't remember. I'm told German chocolate. I taste German chocolate. It's one of those things where you, I tell you not to think about elephants, and what do you think about it? <laughs> It was good, though. Yes. The voice. Quite good. Yes, Lord of the Rings has been um, my favorite, like, fandom, <clears throat> movies, books, probably, too, of, like, all time. It's just my favorite universe in general. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because of the movies. I mean, the movies were what got me into 
that universe. And then I decided to read the books and fell in love with the books as well. Um, but yeah, it was the Peter Jackson movies. Uh, and I actually don't remember here's my, like, sadly, I don't remember if I even saw those in theaters. I might've seen like one of them in theaters, but I don't remember, but it was, um, I do remember specifically when we bought those movies, we were at Hastings, Hastings, which is now RIP dead, but we were at Hastings and they had a dollar bin and they had the, no. <laughs> yeah, they were, well, it was like $2, $3, but like two, they were selling each of the movies for two or $3. This is probably a few years after they came out. And I think I'm pretty sure I had seen them at least once at that point, but, um, I convinced my mom to let me buy them and, or let, let her, I convinced her to let herself buy them for me. <laughs> As a as a child, but and she did. We owned them on DVD, and I watched them and watched them and watched them over and over. Not at the same time, or not consistently. But anyway, I watched them so many times. I, I literally have probably watched it once a year since I was probably like nine or ten years old, um, at least. And yeah, they're just amazing. And like, again, beautiful, beautiful, and like, Howard Shore's music, yes, and the actor, like perfectly cast actors mm. that are all like besties in real life, which is always heartwarming. Plus, the amazing Tolkien story to yeah. write the script, you know, like mm. wow, yeah, it's one of the coolest things is that they use almost no like special effects in those movies i mean obviously there are some parts where they like have to like some of the big wide shots of like the armies and stuff like they're not going to get that in real life but at the time and for what it was like it was like revolutionary in in its effects and things like especially with its uh like um motion capture with Gollum and andy circus like mm. that was like new technology that yeah. they were like front like frontiering with that stuff um and he won like emmys and awards for that and then the third movie won like so many oscars um, and because of its soundtrack and um, whatnot, it's just just really good and natural effects mostly, and um, such an emotional like story and just really good. I still tear up at the end of oh, the third too. movie. I can't help. It's like I tear up at the beginning of the first movie because I'm like, OMG, I'm watching these movies again. <laughs> And it's just so good how it starts with Frodo and how happy he gets when he sees Gandalf oh, for the first I time. Oh, I know. Um, I know. <laughs> and then it, and then when, and then that same thing, like like when Frodo's leaving with Gandalf at the end, I cry at that part every time. Um, it's just I don't know the way it tugs at your heartstrings. And the books are just as good or even better. I mean, the books are more obviously they'll go more into detail and tell you more about the lore and kind of history a bit more. Um, it's definitely like the books are more of like a marathon. Whereas the movies are somewhere in the middle, like a jog. Even though I'd say... 12-hour jog. 12-hour... Okay, well, compared to the books, yeah. yeah you're yeah. talking about a, a brisk a brisk walk in the in the movies. But anyway. Um, but yeah, talking about the extended edition, I had only seen like the original versions of those movies for so many years. And then after... Uh, maybe like, towards the end of high school, maybe around like, when I was... No, it was probably about 16 or 17... I bought the um, extended edition Blu-ray of the whole trilogy, which if you don't know, the original trilogy before the extended edition came out was, each movie is probably two and a half, two hour, 45 minutes each. So you're looking at like eight hours for all three. Um, but the extended edition essentially like adds an extra like hour or more, hour and a half to each movie. So the entire three movies extended edition which adds all the deleted scenes uh is 12 hours long um 
which is which makes for a good day. Every time we watch them, we have to watch all three of them, even though each movie is four hours now. Oh but, yeah, it's a good day. Yeah, um, but like Stop the deleted scenes, like I get why they cut them for theaters, but like man, with all the deleted scenes, it's just it just makes for like a very complete and whole and like perfect like like masterpiece of cinema and oh, yeah. storytelling. And I've never seen the the original cut because every time we watch it, we watch the extended version. So I feel like if I were to see the original cut, I would be disappointed because yeah. things weren't in there that yeah. are pivotal to the story. Yep, that's exactly true. So yes, so yeah, it's, it's at the top. It's 20, top in our hearts. 20 out of 10. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, those are the 11 of my favorite fandoms that are entirely your fault. Or are there any that you uh, think I missed? I'm sure there's there's so much more that you have shown me, and I'm sure there's a lot more in our future that you have on your list to show me, but is there anything you're surprised that didn't make the cut? Nope. That's, that's it. That's all of me. If you want to know me as a person, that's, 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 that's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, these are the 11 things that really make up the basis of your personality. Yep. <laughs> that is the truth of it. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was amazing. Y'all, I'm going to have to have him on here again because you just got a taste of the rambling he can do about all these amazing stories and uh i really had to hold myself back on <laughs> a lot of things especially talking about episode eight of star wars but <clears throat> anyway. maybe we'll make a whole podcast episode um the 11 things wrong with episode eight well this episode will probably have to be split into two parts it's already an hour and a half yeah we'll we'll figure that that part out but thanks for coming on you're gonna be on again so get used to it get to thinking about what all you want to talk ooh, about ooh, ooh, ooh. and uh yeah thanks for being here Thank you for having me. I'll see you later. In the living room, probably. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me for 11Zs. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review, subscribe, tune in each Thursday, and tell your friends. You can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at KDSubcreations, and check out my blog and other free content at the link in the description. Now go where you must go and hope.